Hello everybody. Dave from Area Rackets doing my first podcast. I hope that you guys tune in. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoy this. Uh, we're going to do a um, hopefully a bunch of these um, next year in 2019. It's really easy for me just to sit down here and talk as I can you know, I could put my phone in my pocket and, and have the mic clipped to me and I can walk around and, and do whatever. Um, but right now I'm just sitting here looking at tarantulas that need to be rehoused. But um, so I, I wanted to hit a topic that uh, was actually something that I mentioned in my last video. And, you know, a handful of things that I'd say, hey, you know, what would you guys think? And, and uh, you know, every, most of the people are like, oh, yeah, all the topics sound great. Let, you know, let, let's hear it. But one person said specifically... I'd love to hear your views and points on, you know, predictions for 2019. Well, I started thinking about predicting things, and I don't know that I would be really, really good at predicting things. Um, I think I could talk about stuff that I'd love to see happen in 2019 more than predictions. So that's what I'm going to do. And I hope that, Shanti, you don't mind that I changed it up a little bit and, and made it more of a, uh, you know, five hopes for the hobby or five wishes for the hobby in 2019 instead of, you know, five predictions or whatever it may be. So the first topic or the first wish or hope that I'd love to see, and I think that this one is really, really super important, and this is venom research in, in the animals that we keep. And not for a, uh, you know, who's got the strongest venom and, and who's the second and third and fourth all the way down. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is venom research that would help people, okay? With, uh, you know, I read article, I, I want to say it was... A, Heteroscrotia maculata. I read a couple different articles about um, research with tarantula venom and scorpion venom and some of the things that they think that they can help people with, you know, with breaking down the venom and using, I don't know if it's using different parts of it or, you know, different proteins in it with, with other things to help with things like chronic back pain. And I'm going to just use that as the example because there are so many people in the world that suffer from chronic back pain. It's not just here in America. It's all over the world that people suffer from chronic back pain. And I'm not really quite sure why that is. I don't know if it's because, you know, those, it's usually your, your L discs down in the lower back that really cause people problems. So, you know, it's, it's a bending over and, and your, your, your disc will bulge out a little bit and then you stand up real quick and it pinches it. Next thing you know, that, that disc bulges and the bulge pushes on a sciatica nerve and you got pain running down the left side of your ass cheek and all the way down your leg. Um, so if, if them, researching venom to the point that that can help fix things with people um, or relieve people of some of these chronic pains that would be absolutely miraculous and that's one of the things that I would hope that would get pushed a little bit farther in 2019 and and I think that they're they're getting close to some things uh, I don't know when some of this stuff would actually be available to us doubtly doubtfully in in, in 2019 but you know, at least more research into it and a little bit more understanding of where we might be able to take, you know, things with tarantula venom, scorpion venom, uh, you know, spider venom, any anything of that nature. Venom and, you know, in, in snake venom, lizards, anything that has venom that we could possibly use to help people, um, I'm not saying live longer, but maybe live a more productive life. The second wish or hope for the hobby in 2019 for me is some genera reclassifications. I'd love to see... Um, these handful, um, possibly maybe get a complete overhaul or at least a little bit more work done to them that, you know, maybe in, in early 2020 or 2021 in, in those next couple of years that we'll see some actually definitions of, 
some of the species and animals that are in some different um, genera, you know, Pancobedius, Gramostola, Brachypelma, Haplopelma, Cereopagabus. Those are the ones that I'd love to see some work done in. And there's a whole bunch of other ones as well that we, we need some more work and more definition of uh, descriptions for species. Um, Kilobrachys, you know, there, there's just a whole bunch of them. Um, the one that I'd like to see the most actually would be the Ornithoctonate group. So uh, Haplopelma, right? Haplopelma, Cereopagabus are in the Ornithoctonate group. Um, or subfamily, I should say. I'd like to see more work with them. Um, and then the Selenocosmia, uh, that, that subfamily as well. Uh, more because I, I enjoy the Asian and African species a little bit more, even though none of those are African species. But I'd like to get some of those species out, you know, not saying that they're Kilobrachy species Cancrochon because that's where they were collected from, but they're actually this, you know. They're just a, they're just a Discalus or they're just a, you know, whatever it may be. So that would be absolutely awesome to have maybe one or two of these generas defined by the end of 2019. Uh, the next topic would be um, law changes here in the United States. I'd love to see these five Pisletheria Sri Lankan species taken back off the Endangered Species Act and put back on the site so that we can sell them across state lines. That would be a goal for mine. Um, I really want to see that. Uh, and, and of course, a, a, a total overhaul of the Lacey Act is really, really necessary. Because I think that it's going to get worse before it gets better with the Lacey Act. So some of those things I'd love to love to see um, happen. Okay, so what, what else, else I figured out what else is nice about doing podcasts is I could pause it, walk away, and come back and not lose footage. You know what I mean? That's kind of nice. So um, I think I do like this format. I just hope people will actually tune in and listen, um, which will encourage me to do more. But uh, anyway, going back to... You know the Lacey Act. It's it's an old law. It's an old act. It was it was written a long, long time ago, and I think the basis of that law was to stop people from poaching animals from a state and then tagging them in another state. That was really what started the, the Lacey Act, I believe. And you know it's it's in, it's changed a little bit and it's enveloped some things that I really don't think that it should. But until we get something better or different, we're stuck with it. And I do believe we're going to see some things in 2019 get worse before they get better. So let's hope for the latter before we hope for the prior, because we definitely don't want things to get worse, but I have a funny feeling that they will. I, I, I'm not really quite sure what's gonna happen with the Brazil stuff. I know that you know it was a big, huge controversy for a long time, and I think people have gotten to this point now where they're still now deciding that, okay, we're, we're gonna go ahead and send them across state lines because there's really nothing defined telling us that we can't. Uh, and until we really get a complete definition of, and that's all I think that people are asking for is, can you please put it in black and white so that we know? Uh, we can't be educated. We can't assume, you know. Once you assume things, you know what happens, right? When you assume, it makes an ass out of you and me. So if we assume that the Lacey Act covers everything that was brought in from Brazil, that means that we're screwed. I mean, technically... We're not even supposed to have them if that's, the, if that's the case. So we need some definition. And hopefully we get that definition, whether it's bad, good, or indifferent, at least we have what we can and can't do. And I think that that's very important. And I don't know if we're going to see that because, you know, the, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service does not have nowhere near enough people to be even doing half the stuff that they do. Okay, there's just not enough people because there's not enough money to pay people to do it. And, you know... So, so we have a problem there, 
And how do we rectify that problem? And you can't even say, you know, to, to get people into that field more, you know, people from college, because the, this, you know, forestry courses and stuff like that are, are done in colleges all across the United States. And it's not a matter of getting more people to do it. It's, it's a matter of being able to pay those people to do it and make it a job that can, you know, sustain a lifestyle, you know. It's, it's hard to be, you know, take a job of something because you love it so much, but you can't live off of it. So a lot of people end up not, you know, they go to college for it and then they don't use it. Um, you know, more game commissioners, more everything that has to deal with wildlife. So we, we have less of this poaching and brown boxing of, of animals that are coming into the United States, whether it's spiders, snakes, lizards, birds, whatever it may be. Um, and, and, you know, the more people that follow the letter of the law, the less laws we need. The reason that, that laws are created is because people circumvent things that they're not supposed to be doing and trying to find a loophole, so they close a loophole. So if we stop trying to find loopholes and just follow the damn laws, I think that every, everybody will be more benefited from that. Don't, don't you think so? I mean, really, don't you think that if we, if we sat back and said, okay, United States Postal Service, can you please tell me right now, based on your you know, shipping rules, it says you cannot ship venomous animals, okay, or poisonous. It says poisonous, but when you look up poisonous, the, a synonym of poisonous is venomous. So you're not going to get away with that fight anywhere, even though you think you will because it's, you know, it's, it's an apples and oranges kind of a thing to you. It's not really. When you go in front of a judge and you say, I'm going to fight this because the wording says poisonous and they're not poisonous, they're venomous, that judge is probably going to laugh at you. And then you just spend a bunch of money to go into a court to get laughed at. It doesn't make any sense. So let's let's sit down and say, okay, somebody needs to do it. Someone needs to step up in the hobby and say, hey, United States Postal Service, can we do this or can't we do this? Okay, and if we can't do this, can we stop people that are doing it that you know are doing it constantly? If we can do this, can you tell everybody? Because everyone's probably going to use your service because it's cheaper to do and you're going to make more money. I mean, this is just pretty much common sense. Yes, you can do it. No, you can't do it. That gray area in the middle where you have some post offices that close their eyes and let someone just continually flood the market with boxes with tarantulas in it in the hopes that some other postal service that that comes to doesn't say, hey, what, what's in the box? And the person that knows no better says, oh, there's like 12 tarantulas in there. And then that person says, ah, you know what? That's against the law. Okay, so let's try and figure out how we can define that. That's, a, that's an awesome thing to hope for in 2019. Okay, because if I could ship a tarantula through the United States Postal Service overnight for $30 versus shipping it through FedEx for $60, which way do you think I'm going to go? Everybody's going to go that way. And if we can reduce the, the cost of shipping, people are going to have more money to buy spiders that they want. So let's let's see if we could figure out. I'm hoping, you know, that the, the Tarantula Keepers Coalition will, will work with that part of the hobby, too, as well as some of the other things that they're doing. Um, this is something I'm going to talk to Amy and, and the members of the Tarantula Coalition board and see if there's a way that we could possibly get that defined. And let's let's do it. I mean, I don't want to screw anybody's business, but if it's illegal to do and we're doing it, then let's stop doing it. Okay, let's stop doing it. Okay, so the, the next topic 
or hope for 2014 for, yeah 2014 we're gonna go back in time 2019 would be more education and I'm not saying people sitting in a, in a classroom learning about sete and scopulae and, and metatarsal and coxa and things like that I'm talking about educating people that have this innate fear of these animals because they don't understand the importance of them not just tarantulas because I mean we have tarantulas here in the United States but it, it's not like down in South America where they're everywhere but we have spiders everywhere and the importance of spiders is absolutely dr drastic to this world the things that they get rid of if we didn't have them imagine the mosquitoes imagine the flies imagine the other things that these spiders eat on a daily basis that would flood the area of you know beetle larvae imagine the beetles crawling all over the place I have a funny feeling this is why spiders are around, is to get rid of the crap that we don't want around either. So a person that is absolutely petrified of spiders in their home, they're going to kill them, okay? Every single one of them. And, and that's where the fear is. The fear is out of, or the, the I guess, the, what, what spawns from fear of something that you can get rid of is called elimination, okay? So I can eliminate every spider in my house because my wife is petrified of the spiders that are crawling around. She's not really fond of the ones that are in the cages, but they're in cages, so she doesn't really dwell on that so much. At least, she doesn't say so. But I guarantee you, if one of these buggers got out and was crawling around the living room in the middle of the night while she was trying to sleep, and she woke up and looked up, and there's a 7-inch postletheria, a piece of letheria on the ceiling, she'd have a cow, okay? And I'd probably be sleeping in the shed. So, how do we educate people to the point that they don't want to step on every damn spire that they see? And that is... Education through the Facebook groups, through YouTube, however, however the process can be at zoos, at at uh, rescue facilities, um, you know, in schools where people go in and do talks. Anything that you could do to educate people, especially the youngsters, educate them young. That makes them not afraid of things as they grow up. If we can do that, if I could touch two people, you know, here, if if every person could touch two people. Imagine the amount of people that are that we could change their minds into killing spiders versus putting them in a cup and letting them go outside. And, and knowing full well that probably in two weeks it's going to be right back in the house again. But at least the animal lives and it, it'll get rid of hundreds of bugs in the meantime. So that's what I'd love to see is just true understanding of what these animals, the importance of what these animals have on our ecology. You know, in just, I mean, imagine... No more spiders, all the flies and mosquitoes flying around. And everybody be like, oh, we need something to get rid of them. And, and it's, just a, it's just a big process. Everybody hates mosquitoes and everybody, you know, the flies buzzing around you just drives abs people absolutely crazy. Um, without spiders, there would be thousands upon thousands more of them flying around you the same time the one was. So let's hopefully we could try and help educate people in this coming year, moving into 2020 and in, in the next decade. I, I would love to see you know, in, in the 2020s that the fear of spiders diminishes 50%. That would be, that would just be awesome. Okay, so the, the last one that, I, last topic that I hope that we see changes in, in, in 2019, and this is going to be basically more for social media and YouTube and maybe even an aspect like this. Well, I guess this would be social media. Um, and that is the drama and the hate and the necessity to downgrade people. There are people that that's what they live for they live to belittle people they live to go on on facebook groups and 
YouTube comments and say, you know, you, you aren't keeping that right. You're a crappy keeper. How could you be doing this? Uh, you know, I, I talked to a couple people and one of the big things, and, and I think this all, you know, stem goes back to like, we could use Taylor and Nicole Dean as an example. Um, sorry, Taylor, if you listen to this, I'm sure you won't, but I'm just using you as an example. People get pissed off when they believe that somebody is mistreating animals, but profiting off of them. Okay. That just really fuels fire for people. And some people say, oh, it, it, you shouldn't care. Okay. You shouldn't care what she does. Well, you know, I, I think people probably shouldn't care, but people get jealous. Okay. So if one YouTuber is jealous of another YouTuber because they have much more success, they are more apt to say things about what they do and how they do it to try and make them look worse than worse of a keeper than what they really are. Now, I'm not saying that any of the things that were said about her or any of the other keepers here, myself included, is not true or is true. I'm just saying this is what's happening. You go on Facebook groups. It is very easy to sit on your phone, you know, on your lunch break or at home in the evening when you have nothing else to do or, you know, at work when you should be working or whatever it may be to sit there and type, oh, you know what, that tarantula needs like eight inches more substrate and I would do this way and you, you, you shouldn't even be keeping tarantulas if you don't know that. Or how could you not know that simple fact? Simple Google search will, will give you the answers and I don't think that that's the answer. You know, Google is so full of misinformation. We all use it. I'm not saying I don't use it. I do use it. Um, but I also don't go to the first one and say, okay, this is, this is it. This is the truth. Go down to the seventh or eighth or ninth search that you find and read stuff there and find out how much it contradicts with the first thing that you read, especially Wikipedia stuff, because Wikipedia stuff people can add to or subtract from if they want to. I could completely change a bio on an animal and make it completely different than what the actual animal does. At least that's my understanding of Wikipedia. Um, have I gone on them and read stuff? Absolutely. If you need to get some quick, easy information that should be, you know, out there, um, definitions of different things, I, I definitely will use it. But if we could be a little bit more sympathetic to people and a little bit more understanding to people, and instead of going behind everybody's backs, and everybody does it, I, I don't care what anybody says, people talk about people. That's what people do because that's just normal. Okay, it's absolutely normal. Every person's talked about every person that they talk to at one point or one time while they're not standing there. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. It just it just happens that way. So if we could sit down and say, okay, um, you know what? He he's not really keeping that right. Or, you know, why is he using that as a hide instead of just letting it dig? Well, maybe I should ask him and say, hey, you know what? I noticed that you're using, you know, one of those PVC L's as a hide for you know your Cereopagopus uh, lividus okay let's use that because I did this to poor dark den I did this to Darren and and, and I did it on a group and I said you know because it was a pretty much people were bashing people on YouTube and you know something came up about him this is before we even started the YouTube tarantula Facebook group um, that's kind of where it spawned from actually was that comment and he came to me and said hey dude what you know what the heck here and so I started talking to him and we had an actual adult civil conversation. He explained to me a situation and it made absolutely perfect sense. Um, you know, is it the proper way to keep them? No, but it's the best way for him to keep them in his 
environment. So we have to take that under consideration, but we don't. We automatically jump to conclusions and say, this person doesn't know what the hell they're doing or what the hell they're talking about. Now, granted, there are quite a few people that are that, that they don't know what they're doing and they don't know what they're talking about. But if we just sent them a, a simple message and said, hey, you know, I don't mean this to be crass or I don't mean this to be, you know, mean, but uh, I see that you're doing it this way. And, you know, this is how the norm is. This is what the norm for this species is. And, you know, if you could try and replicate that, you know, the, your spider may have a better life. Now, they may take that advice or they may not. So if they comment back and say, well, I, I, that's absolutely awesome. Thanks for the advice. You know, then you could strike up a conversation and, and, you know, delve in a little bit. If they come back and say, you know what, it's my spider. I'm going to do what I want. Then you say, okay, thank you. I just wanted to help. It's very easy to do that. It's not hard. But it's so much easier just to be a jerk. Just to go on there and say, oh, your setup sucks. You shouldn't be keeping tarantulas. You shouldn't even be in the hobby. You shouldn't even be on this group. Stuff like that shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. And, and we as, as, as humans shouldn't want it to happen. And, and I'm going to, you know, use a, a United States example of this. The United States people back in the 60s and 70s knew their neighbors. Okay, you, you knew your neighbor, even in the 80s. You knew the people lived next to you. You knew where they worked. You knew their kids. You, you knew their schedules. You know where they went to church or not went to church. You, you know where they shop. You knew everything about them. You know, you would have barbecues and cookouts and block parties and stuff like that. You don't have that stuff anymore. And, and I remember back 9-11 when, when we had the World Trade Center event. And once that, once that happened and, and the, the ensuing months after that, this country came together better than it probably ever was. You know, people looked out for each other. And, you know, we had to be united to get through this. And even if it didn't affect you personally or, or you know, anybody in your family or a friend or a friend's friend, you know, if it, it affected every single person that lived in the United States. It affected a lot of people that didn't live in the United States. And we found a way to come together. But within a year, that all went back to, to crap again, where we didn't talk to our neighbors. You know, we were always in a hurry. It, when you're in a store, you have to cut somebody off to get ahead of them in line. Or, you know, here, here's a perfect example. Today, I went to Home Depot. Yes, Amy, I, I did shop at Home Depot. There was one register open. There was a person in front, an older couple, and they were buying a bunch of stuff for their closets, organizers. Well, the woman wanted a couple more, so the husband had to run back and get some. There was a guy in front of me waiting in line, and then me. And then two people came in line behind us. So somebody else opened a register. Who do you think the first person that ran to that register was? Yeah, the last person in line. And then the people behind them. So here I am, and the guy in front of me who's been standing here for 10 minutes... These people just come in line. Instead of them saying, hey, you guys were here first. Why don't you go over there and cash out first? No, because we need to get the hell out of the store and we don't care about you. We've lost that. We've lost that as, as humans, as a, as, as a race, period. We have lost kindness. Today, my wife's co-worker called her and said she's going to be a little late because there was a guy actually right down at the bottom of our hill who ran out of gas. He was in scrubs. Okay, I don't know where he was going to, but he was in scrubs. She, he ran out of gas in his truck. He was trying to get to Country Fair, which is just another three quarters of a mile down the road. He didn't make it. So she went and got her gas can. 
up there, got gas, brought it back to him. So she went to work. Well, we were driving down. We passed this guy, and he's trying to put gas into his truck without anything to do with. He didn't have a funnel, okay? You really can't put gas into a gas tank of a vehicle without something that protrudes into it. So I didn't have time to stop right at that point. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to run you to work. So I took my wife to work and I come in back because I have a funnel in my van. I was like, well, I can at least give him the funnel. He can get gas in there to drive there. He, somebody probably stopped and did that for him because he was gone by the time I got back. But this is what I mean about caring for people. Now, we probably should have just stopped at that point because it seemed like he was, he was in a hurry to get somewhere. And who knows, it could have been his first day at a new job. Maybe he's going to Meadville Hospital and he's going to be late. You know, something, we don't think about that stuff anymore. And... We don't do it in our tarantula hobby. And it, it's it's pathetic, you know, that I could sit down and say, I have 129 tarantulas here, and I see somebody that says, all I really want is this one, this one tarantula. I, I wanted, you know, a pteranopalmasasome so bad. If somebody said that, you know, and they were just absolutely, they couldn't find one, they couldn't find one. If somebody said, like me, I have two, okay? I don't need two. If I go to that person and say, hey, you know what? If you pay for shipping, I will send you the spider just so you have it. I, I just did it with Dustin, okay? He wanted a male Brachypelma amelia in the worst way. I had one. Did I want to get rid of it? No, Brachypelma amelias are my favorite Brachypelmas. But I knew what it would mean to him. Amy and Quentin sent me their female Brachypelma albiceps. Did they really want to get rid of her? No, but they knew how much it would mean to me. And that's the kindness that we need to extrude here in the hobby. And if we all can just try to do that, just 25% more than what we do, everything's going to be a lot better in 2019 than it was in 2018. So let's try and do that. I challenge all of you that are listening to this to try and be kinder. You know, once a week, go out of your way to be kinder to someone, somehow, some way, whether it's in the hobby or it's not in the hobby. And you're going to feel so much better when you do. Because the feeling of helping somebody or making somebody else happy is much greater than feeling happy yourself. Trust me. This is why you always hear that the gift giver, giving the gift to the person and seeing them open, that gift is much better than getting a gift in return. So this is David Erie Rachnitz. I am out for this session. I hope you guys enjoy it. And comment, let me know how you guys felt about this. And we'll see everybody or you'll hear me in the next one if... It ends up being good.